Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and welcome to our annual Best of the Year special for 2022. This is a bit of a shorter season this year, though the podcast has never sounded better. We were honored to feature a range of talented Vancouver bands and artists, and I want to give a shout out to Brass Camel, Color Tongues, Foxria, Melt, and Walgren for all being awesome guests. Looking forward to all of the new music slated for release in 2023. And joining me for this episode is our newest addition to the PSR team and fellow music podcaster, Will Chernoff of Rhythm Changes and Jazz Office Hours. They have the guitars like... Dun, 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 yeah, dun, that's the one. Sunday yeah. night, yeah. It's too, like, dude It's too dude bro I, I It's too dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, there they are again. There's the violin again, right? There's, there's, there's the strings. strings. There's a the theme in here. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Will, for our Best of 2022 special. Thanks. Hi, James. I'm lucky to be the home team today that you've come over to my place instead of doing it at the Pacific Sound Radio headquarters. Yes, Pacific Sound Radio headquarters. To to say it, yeah, I mean, in East Van, but you're here in in New West. So thank you for joining me and for doing this with me. Well, thank you for hosting me at your home studio. Yeah. It's just... uh, yeah, really cozy. It's uh, well. This is the spot where you interview guests for your shows. It sure is. I've put thought into that recently, you know, because I'm on about episode seventy-ish of the Rhythm Changes podcast, and that was a cold start for me in terms of podcasting. I didn't know anything about doing this before I started that show. So when I started, I did an episode every week to try and learn as fast as I could. Right, like. I would have somebody on and there'd be something that would go sideways and I would be like, oh, I really need to, I need to figure that out for next time. And then I would have somebody else coming up pretty quick because I told myself I had to put out an episode every week, right? And then I learned a lot and I did episodes online and I learned that that's 10 times harder. So less, uh, certainly more technical issues can occur when it comes to having to interview people over Zoom and stuff like that. I mean, everyone had to do it with, out of necessity because of the worst of the pandemic, but... Yeah, you did it. Yep. You did it on Pacific Sound uh-huh. Radio. Um, I'm sure you have your own stories about that, <laughs> but I mean, just the conversation too. It's it's never going to work the same way that it does when we're here right now. Oh, yeah. I'd say if I... If there was a scenario in which I never had to do a Zoom interview again for the show, I would... That that would be the way I do it. I just my my priority will always be to have in person guests because there's a certain energy that's there when you're in the same room with somebody. So the fun thing about that, James, is that we can decide now that we don't want to ever do that again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, can, we can choose to, yeah, to yeah. just do it. No, we're we're out of the woods when it comes to that. So yeah, because yeah. we're doing it at a more reasonable frequency. Like for me, it's once a month, and for this show, it's every other week. Every right? other week, yeah, yeah. Not doing weekly. Yeah, not doing monthly because monthly is too infrequent. But yeah, yeah, no, it's good. And uh, and well, I'm glad you brought up the your experience with starting the show. Whereas longtime listeners will know, I've worked with a number of different collaborators, and finding a new collaborator in in you will has been really helpful. Just because I've always benefited from having at least one other person to work off oh. of when it comes to the show. No kidding. Yeah. And while I'm here on the mic, before we get into this, I mean, 
I think I want to thank a couple people, right? Like, I was a fan of Pacific Sound Radio back in 2018, I think, as early as then. Uh, the clearest memory I have of the show was going to Justice McClellan, who we may talk about in a minute here, his Probably. solo set at the Persephone Snug. Way back um, in the day. So I want to credit Ronnie May for introducing me to PSR and what it was when she was collaborating with you. And thanks to Jaden Fraze, Travis Noel, and Mark Lingelbach and everybody else who's worked on this show to keep it alive with you. And for you, for being the guy who's still holding it down, you kept something alive here for five years to the point where it's like the longest running active thing of its kind. And I thought that was super cool. So it's awesome to be a part of it. Thank you. Thanks, Will. And yeah, it was one of those things where I think it was only a couple weeks into into quarantine. You know, I'd shut down the show and Travis made the decision that he wanted to, to leave from the show. And I realized that I need to keep this going because I'm going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, um, I'm happy that, you know, uh, a lot of the people that you you uh, gave a thank you to, I'd also extend that thank you to them. Uh, I'll add a couple names, but I'll, I'll rattle through. Jane Fraze, uh, Travis Noel, and his uh, lovely wife, uh, Jenny, uh, Ronnie May, Lonica Miller, Mark Lingelbach, everyone at um, the Persephone Snug and the and Save on uh, Meat staff who, you know, fed us yeah, and that's uh, helped us with the logistics when it came to running the show at Save on Meats. And uh, obviously, thank you to everyone who's uh, kept up with the show, who's been on a guest, a guest on the show so far and has supported the show in how, any capacity that they have. Yeah. Thank you. Because this is episode 133, 133 and your show is an explicit show unlike my other two so that's fucking cool yeah. 133 episodes yes there yeah you're allowed to swear on the show <laughs> use sentence enhancers use an old ass spongebob joke there so james what are we doing here okay up, man. so we're the the what we're gonna do is uh, we've got a bit of a structure that um long-time listeners will be familiar with when it comes to these best of the year episodes Firstly, we're going to both rattle through some honorable mentions, and then we're each going to go through our two local picks or two Canadian picks and our both of our international picks. Yeah. So I'll start things off with some honorable mentions, and I'll specify kind of where these folks are, are from, just so uh, people have an idea. So my first honorable mention pick is Stimuloso by Kamikaze Nurse. Mm -hmm. These This group was a front runner for a local pick for me for a good chunk of the year. Really buzzworthy, came out on Mint Records. Uh, it's a ver really varied alt-rock album that ranges from noise punk to art rock to shoegaze. It's a really exciting listen. There's just a lot going on with this group. Uh, it's a really promising software more release i'm really looking forward to seeing where this band goes next and i'm really keen to see them live as well they've played a couple shows this year and it just hasn't worked out with my schedule so i'm i'm really raring to see see this group in the flesh nice um speaking of excellent sophomore releases my next pick is also a local honorable mention uh yet again the wheel turns by walgren recent mm -hmm. guest on the show um this record sees an evolution from their more experimental debut Burt Alien. It's, the record's very ornate, uh, lush. I describe it as a chamber art pop record in the vein of like say Kate Kate Bush and Bjork. Songs like Yoke and Silence in the Mouth are just gorgeous and masterfully arranged. Really good stuff, especially if you're into any sort of like art rock or art pop. Check this one out. 
Next pick is a, I would say, like a Canadian pick, Bronco by Orville Peck. So where I got I got to jump in on this because I listened to this and I thought this was cool. Does does he live in Vancouver or somewhere else in Canada? Because I couldn't pin that down. I almost got the feeling that he was in Vancouver. Yeah. So yeah. it's um, Orville Peck kind of does this because other bands have kind of done this in the past, even though they unmask themselves. Orville Peck kind of does this like early kiss, early Slipknot thing where he likes to keep his identity kind it's of a secret, face, right? Yeah, and he, yeah. he wears that that awesome fringe mask all the time. There's a theory that he used to play drums in a Vancouver uh, like noise rock band called New Sensei years ago. Like I remember when that band was active when I was in college. And then he moved to Toronto. People know that for sure. And then I think he lives in California now. But I'll just call him like a pan-Canadian just because he's bounced around a bit. <laughs> fair fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, PSR co-founder Jane Fraze and myself were huge fans of his 2019 debut, Pony. That was uh, one of our picks for the best of 2019 episode. I would say that this record, Bronco, is definitely bigger, brighter, and more glitzy than, than Pony. I guess it kind of makes sense with the horse theme in the title. Peck's vocals have noticeably improved. Uh, he... It's really commanding on the rousing opener, Daytona Sand. I'm actually wearing a Daytona Sand shirt of his right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't make that connection yeah, from yeah. when I listened to it. Yeah, because his name is in the bottom corner of yeah. the graphic, right? Funny. Just kind of classy little placement. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, I like um, I like tour shirts and band shirts. Where it's a little more like subtle in terms of it being a band shirt. Yeah. Funny story about this. I got this at um, the Ambleside Music Festival merch booth. And oh, Orville, nice. Orville Pack wasn't even on the bill. Well, then why like, was it there? Uh, they had like a they had like a like sale bin where they're just selling shirts for like twenty <laughs> bucks. It was a weird mix of stuff. It was like some weekend shirts, some Drake and like Marilyn Manson stuff. But they had like Orville Pack in there. It was like okay, why not? Nice. Um, oh, also want to shout out the song uh, "Out of Time." That's probably my favorite one on the album. Uh, have to go just, back to that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just you know, long live Canada's gay alt cowboy renegade. Love yep. this guy, pan Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to uh, seeing him again and also, you know, whatever he gets up to next. And my final honorable mention is King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Uh, yeah. Record is uh, almost as long as the, the, the band name. The record's called Ice, Death, Planets, Mushrooms, and Lava. Just when I think I'm starting to get tired of this band's insane output, they put out this record, and I'm like, all right, I'm still sold on you guys. I can't, <laughs> can't give up on you. This is their third... Of five records dropped in 2022. Yeah. I'm not kidding. This band's nuts. Um, this The record actually has an interesting making of process. It was recorded and edited from hours of extended improvised jams. Uh, the music really s- reminds me of the best of bands like Frank Zappa and Grateful Dead. The first track, uh, Mycelium, had me dancing around while taking my roommate's for- dog for a walk. It was a nice day, too, so it was like just sun shining, just listening to some King Gizzard and walking around yeah. with the dog. It was great. Uh, really, this this release uh, proves why this Australian band are basically the kings of modern psych rock. If you love jam rock, you, you really got to listen to this. This is just yeah. awesome stuff. Yeah, it's almost like that because actually we went to go watch a hockey game at a bar recently and we were talking about Bitches Brew. And yes, this by Miles Davis. This is in the style, right, of mm. Bitches Brew because it's spliced together from 
live off the floor jam sessions, right? Like I thought when I checked, I didn't go and check out their other material. Now that I know they have so much stuff, I'm going to have to go and see what else they got. But that's what's they going like on, 20 right? 20 plus albums. It's yeah. Nuts. <laughs> they record it live and then they splice it together with their producer or something because that's what Miles Davis did in like 1969. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, and we were talking about how that doesn't happen too often. But hey, here it happened. Yep. It's also easier to do now rather than yeah, oh yeah, trying to edit to tape. tape. My yeah. God. <laughs> now, it's, now it's your turn. I want to hear what some of your honorable mentions have been. Yeah. So as people who know me would know, I'm in the jazz world. That's where I spend most of my working life and my social life. So didn't do any jazz here because I wanted to try something a little bit different. I didn't do any of my friends' releases either because, well, one, they're my friends, and two, sometimes I do end up covering my friends over on Rhythm Changes, so kind of have a lot there to go on. So for this, I was like, well, I'm going to stretch it a little bit. I do have things that I've written about on Rhythm Changes or other websites or people I've had on my podcasts, but they're not in the kind of Vancouver jazz world that I spend a lot of my day-to-days in. I was like, well, I want to go reach for some of the other stuff that I like to listen to and a lot of that is going to be like on the folk side because I was in a folk band and you know folk and country that appeals to me kind of acoustic singer songwriter stuff and I got some other stuff in there too but my honorable mentions will kind of head us more in that direction I think if you went and listened down to all our picks as you probably can on the show playlist once we update that Mm -hmm. should be live by the time this episode comes out um, I think you'll see that James and I cover a lot between the two of us. I think we're gonna go and we're gonna when you put together what James picks and what I pick, uh, there's a there's a wide there's a wide array of stuff there. So that's part of the fun of of doing this, right? Yeah, I noted before we started recording that uh, there weren't really any metal or hip hop releases this year, but in previous years, I've definitely included a, a pick or two from those genres. So yeah, complement each other. So my first one would be. The album Home is Where the Music is by Madison, M-A-D-D-I-S-U-N, singer-songwriter from Cranbrook, one of my close friends playing in her band on some live shows from here over to the Kootenays as she's toured a little bit around this album. Uh, Being out there, I know that she's not always plugged into the local scene here, but I've missed my chances to see her live around this album release, and I'm regretting it because... She has this certain kind of songwriter's talent where the songs are not trying too hard. It's feel-good music. It's acoustic singer-songwriter music with the kind of country or alt-country vein. Like, I really like Lucinda Williams, and there's some of that in there. I really like Emily Lou Harris. There's some of that in there. But it's also would fit alongside a bunch of bands on, like, an indie rock show. There's some blues in it as well. It's guitar-driven. She plays guitar it's feel good stuff and the songs are simple and I dig that. I guess I'm a simple guy, but uh, this is somebody I'm going to keep watching because when I found out about this album and I found out that some of my friends were playing with her, I'm like, Oh, that's a good find. I gotta, I gotta go hear Madison live. I really like this one too. I had a chance to give this a listen before we started recording. What I will say is the production's also excellent. This is a really good sounding album. Sounds really good. Yeah. Especially, yeah, all the guitars sound good. The vocals sound good. Yeah. And then in a different sort of thing, I've got, uh, I think it's still the latest release by Makati Burgundy, which is an EP, which is very soft. 
Uh, he's done some boom baffy tracks on previous kind of color named projects that he's put out. He's also done some more cinematic stuff, but this is the kind of chill R&B that is just the thing that he's awesome at. And he just slays out whenever he performs with that kind of Tion Gibbs extended universe. Um, and he has uh, his and Tion Gibbs's uh, frequent background singers over the last couple of years, Tris and Amber Bayani singing backgrounds on one track on this. And they just sound awesome singing together. McCauty's voice is like produced so smoothly. It just like occupies so much space and warmth when you listen to it that there doesn't even need to be that much else going on. But what they do add onto most of the tracks is just a bunch of sh- shimmering kind of guitars. And then that's kind of all you need. You get the vocals in there and you get those really nice guitars that are out in the backgrounds of the arrangements. And he's got just this really romantic, really kind of chill EP, Burgundy. I really like that one track, Raspberry Lemonade, especially with the strings on it. On it. Yeah. I find a lot of songs can be elevated if you just throw in a good string arrangement. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if... Uh... I don't know if I could get them all right off the top of my head, but there's a lot of my albums that have violin parts in the arrangements. And I'm a big violin guy because I, I worked for like a violin school for years and my band had violin. So I like that. It crops up kind of in the cracks of a lot of the arrangements on the tracks that I'm bringing here, but doesn't play like a feature role on any of them. But that's funny that you brought it out in this one because I wouldn't have thought of it on this one. But yeah, you're right. And I'm not sure if we'd ever talked about this well, but um, I'm actually quite a big fan of contemporary R&B. McCarty's stuff really reminds me of guys like Daniel Caesar, Frank Ocean, yeah. Miguel, and like that stuff is right up my alley. I love that stuff. So yeah, McCarty does it again. I'm really excited <laughs> to hear whatever he comes up with next. Yeah. I've never told this story on any of my episodes, but heading into 2020, I was going to produce a show. I've never done that before and I still don't do it. I have friends who present live music and I really don't present live music, but I had something I really wanted to do that I was throwing together in February, 2020. And I had it scheduled for June, 2020. And it was at this place here in New West called 100 Braid Street Studios, which had a bunch of art, visual art spaces that people could rent and use as their art space and make for making art. But they also had an event space that you could use for weddings and uh, they had been doing open mics and stuff there in the winter of 2019 going into 2020. All's good, right? So I get in there and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to put on this show in New West with Tion and McCauty and those guys and my close friend Johnny Tobin and myself. And we were going to fill a night of music and we were going to sell the place out. Oh, man. And I never got to do this show. Yeah. 100 Great Street Studios moved. They had to leave that building because there was some... there was a new kind of development happening there so it's all gone now that show is but a memory for me and i i really wish i uh i could have gotten to see that that would have been a lot of fun i joined a new band in late 2019 called anime actually dropped their new uh, track right new ep actually just this friday um just the the whole history of the band said something we'll talk about another time, but I just wanted to jump off that and say we joined, I joined the band in late 2019 and then we were supposed to play our debut show at Greedy Pig, rest in peace, uh, in Gastown. Oh, I never on, heard of that venue. It was a great place. I'm really bummed it, it went under because of the pandemic, but we oh, were darn. supposed to play there on Good Friday 2020. 2020. So, of course, that didn't happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everybody's got a story like that. This is a project that I did review on Rhythm Changes. Uh, the The group is called The Blue and Gold, and it's a self-titled album. It's Trish Klein, who's known for working with Frazy Ford of the Be Good Tanyas, and 
she plays guitar and it's Nadidi O singing and it's the two of them as a duo and they do an album of traditional blues songs. Um, but it sounds really fresh. They have really simple arrangements, really kind of simple recording style. They've got bass and drums underneath them. Trish plays what I think is all the guitars. Nadidi sings lead vocals on pretty much every song, I think. And they just do treatments of like Memphis mini songs and classic blues songs. Uh, it's a really chill album. It's a feel-good album. I guess that's what I like because uh, that one stood out to me when I was looking back at my rhythm changes um, publication and thinking of non-jazz stuff that I enjoyed. I, I came back to this one because it's like, it's something you don't hear too often, but I wish a lot more projects like that get made because it sounds like very casual and it just sounds like they sat, they sat down and they were just ready to go and, and they did it and uh, it feels good. So Yeah, I also really like this one too. I I've, coming from like a rock background i have of course an appreciation for blues being the basic the progenitor of all of rock and roll though i don't seek out a lot of contemporary blues stuff that often but this this one like this yeah sounds like yeah this is how you doubt if you're going to go over traditional like blues standards and stuff like that it's a really great way to to present it yeah, because there's like, I guess it's a it's a kind of counter position to the whole thing of like, you know, like the blues jam at the Yale, the electric blues guitar, you know, that's a thing. And this is something else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's that's what I enjoyed about it being a folky. It's more fresh in a way because, yeah, the electric blues jam stuff, it's kind of it's too like duty. It's too dude bro. And I, I don't know. It's too dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This definitely. doesn't sound dad, which no, is nice. Which is great. It's, yeah. it's very refreshing in that way. Also kind of fun hearing because I know it's uh zeppelin didn't write it but zeppelin made oh because when the levy breaks breaks yeah 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 Yeah. uh and yeah their version is very kind of straight up very Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it doesn't have that john bonham beat (laughs) yeah no we don't need it no don't need anyone can recapture that (laughs) i think that's flav the drummer he lives around here he records his drums in his home studio in in new west and i don't i don't know him but he's great drummer i think it's darren paris and flavio cirillo playing drums and bass and drums respectively on that so great job on that project Speaking of electric guitars, woo! I know you like this project too, Keanu Ianko out of Nanaimo. Ianko, that's how you pronounce yeah. it. Okay. He's a good dude. He's in kind of the VIU jazz scene, the Vancouver Island University jazz program world. Uh, I haven't gotten to spend time with him in person. I haven't gotten to hear him live, but I like what he's doing out on the island because he came out of a background that's like mine. And then he got the chance to do his own thing. And basically what he did was like a Joe Satriani style Steve album. Steve I sort of yeah. thing, yeah. And and he still kept some jazz arrangement style and sound in there. So you can hear that he comes out of that world. But he recorded all the guitars for that project himself. I believe it. Awesome. Yeah. That he, he was able to get that kind of tone uh, producing it by himself. I, I'm super impressed by that. I think he has a good sense of melody and he brought in the feature vocalist and and he changes it up throughout the album really nice and it's a it's a great collection of music that would appeal to a lot of people who wouldn't go and listen to joe satriani steve by like myself to be honest right so he's working his way into that and i hope he uh i hope he plays some vancouver rock shows or something i hope he finds some people to get on at the rickshaw with or something because yeah, he totally could absolutely i thought it was a very wise move on his part to have some songs with guest vocals on them i think it'd be you know a good idea for him to 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 do that with future releases as well but yeah i hope i have an opportunity to to see a show with him heck you know maybe my band could even play a show <laughs> with him as well because you know our guitarist is it comes from a bit of a shredder 
shredder background but i also get what you mean i uh had a chance to listen to some steve vai records recently and i'm not knocking steve vai <laughs> as a player but like you gotta be in the right uh, mood to to listen to a steve vai record front to back but i think uh yeah. Cano's album is very approachable which is just fantastic yeah that's that's awesome yeah, do you want to kick it off with your local pick? Yeah, you throw we'll start with what you think? my first local pick, which is How Does It Feel When It's Gone by The This. This is the debut record from a Victoria-based band. Uh, I described their song as poppy punk slash alt-rock in the vein of early Green Day and The Descendants. A lot of really bouncy, energetic rela- arrangements, super catchy melodies, Really relatable, angsty lyrics touching on topics like social anxiety on the song After Party, Giving Up on I Give Up, and Heartache, My Help Me, Rhonda is the song I would cite. The record was produced by the band and mixed and mastered by their drummer and vocalist Evan Matheson. Really crisp and punchy sound. It's like I was just really impressed it by like It sounds totally in the style, yeah. Yeah. It's perfect for, for the songs and what they are. It's a really fun listen too. I would say my key track would be Strike the Gong. The the chorus to that song is still stuck in my head. That's the big compliment. The biggest compliment I can give this is that some of those choruses are so catchy. Like you listen to them once and they will be there forever. Yeah. So funny because it's so not the kind of music I usually listen to. So it was fun for me to check that out uh, and how it just kind of flies by, right? Like kind of a short runtime and the songs are short and the arrangements are really compact and uh, it's got a lot of energy. So... I mean, I would have to go dig back through it to kind of really feel my way through the differences of each songs because it's kind of all just similar to me because I don't listen to a lot of that kind of music. But I agree, it, it had a lot of energy and it was a fun project for me to check out. And then your first local picks are completely different yeah. <laughs> from mine. Yeah. Well, maybe there's one similarity actually because this is definitely an album that is going to remain with me out of this year. New Age Attitudes by Amanda Sum, who has been my guest on the Rhythm Changes podcast before the album came out. This album at this point, I think we would say is dedicated to the memory of the late Olivia Kwan. So that's an important part of it in terms of Olivia having engineered this album. Oh, wow. Before she passed away this year. Damn. And Amanda's album has this theme that you mentioned. The, a lot of it is about social anxiety and a lot of it is about, it's almost like Amanda has crafted this record that allows her to be this like Joni Mitchell-like figure for this certain kind of like Gen Z person almost that needs uh, this voice to be heard in in the world. And I think that's pretty cool where, you know, there's, there's a track that I think is called Party, 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 Party. I don't know how many times of the word, but it's it's not talking about how you want to rock and roll all night or anything like that. It's more about, uh, I don't know if I want to go to the party. I'm going to say that I'm busy, but I'm just chilling at home because I'm so exhausted, that kind of thing. This kind of feeling of exhaustion and being beaten down by everything that's going on and trying to find yourself in all that. Uh, it really comes through on this album in such a cool way because she brings in like the R&B and again, the jazz arrangements that would kind of appeal to me. And her voice is presented in a really 
cool way. A lot of the songs are on the softer side, but some of them are really touching. This song called Sorry. Um, Awkward Bodies is probably the track that really emphasizes this theme, right? That's It's like we're all just like awkward bodies bumping into each other. Like we're pretending like we have everything figured out, but we don't. That's the kind of voice that this album is like a really beautiful avatar for, in my opinion. And though that is not always me i don't always walk around feeling like that i can i can access how that feels when i listen to it like i can hear it right there you know for sure i had a chance to listen to this as well and i would say the arrangements are just fantastic i can i imagine amanda might be have some sort of jazz background potentially just in terms of the the skill level on display especially the piano work but i'm not sure yeah, I mean, she played at the Jazz Fest. Oh, okay. And she plays with a lot of my friends. Uh, that ends up being her band in the in the community. So she comes out of the SFU world as mm. well. So it's a, it's a mixture of a bunch of different things. Yeah, just like uh, Walgren. I also love that album. You just mentioned it in your yeah. honorables. But, you know, Tegan came out of the SFU world too. So there's, there's a lot of creative stuff that comes from there as well. I liked what you had to say about the... Amanda being this Joni Mitchell sort of figure <laughs> for a very specific, I guess, uh, type of person. And like, it, you know, I noticed obviously there's a, there's some themes of like touching on like being a, a Canadian of non-Canadian heritage. And, mm-hmm. and um, I think there was one, I can't remember the song, but there was one lyric where they talked about how the only representation that they saw that was meaningful to them in terms of media growing up was this one specific character from the babysitters club yeah so yeah there's like there's a lot of really personal details and like while obviously not all the feelings are immediate relevance to 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 my life or to your life will especially like yeah a couple of white guys but when you listen to it you can feel (laughs) it (laughs) yeah for sure yeah yeah no it's good stuff um yeah i think uh Amanda's created something that's gonna that's uh, really meaningful for a lot of people. Yeah, and I want to hear it live too. Um, yeah, and it's cool because we talked before the album came out, so I didn't even advance listen to it all at that point. Oh, wow. So I'll, I'll have to revisit that conversation and see what we talked about it now that I've I've listened to it a bunch. So next I'm going to talk about is my first Canadian pick which is Duality by Luna Lee. This is the debut record by uh, Korean-Canadian multi-instrumentalist and producer. It uh, came out in March and was an early best-of-the-year pick for me. A thing that really strikes me about this album is how it at once feels contemporary and classic. Luna Lee pulls from surf rock, disco, and 60s bubblegum pop, but also uses like this, this what I want to call hi-fi, lo-fi production that firmly places it in the in the here and now. Yeah. At a lot of the songs, like, there's a lot of breathing room for them. They feel, like, very hypnotic and hazy. It's kind of big arrangements. Very big yeah. arrangements, but also, yeah, again, it's like, but the, 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 the pop acumen is, is, is there. With some of the details, I noticed, of course, that Lee employs, like, sweeping strings to dramatic effect on songs, on uh, tracks like Trying, Hey, there they are again. There's the violin again, right? There's, there's, there's the strings. strings. There's a theme in here. I love my strings. <laughs> Her talent on guitar, of course, is on full display with uh, dense guitar leads on What You're Thinking and Silver and Terrain. And there's also a surf rock workout on Star Stuff, which is a lot of fun. 
I'd say my key track for this record would be What You're Thinking with its driving beat and dense guitar lead that just rules. Like this album's just a really um rewarding listen. Yeah, I was going to say it felt like a very expansive album for me and I I don't even know what I would pick as a as a standout track cuz it just felt like there was a lot of material there and musically and lyrically, right? Like I couldn't I couldn't get it all covered amongst the the other projects uh that we're talking about here that I've listened to more times, but yeah, I was I was impressed by how smooth it all came together and how polished it sounds. It's it's a great album. I would say mine this is in the rest of Canada section. Uh is very different from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with whom I would say are probably my favorite Canadian band because oh, in the wow. jazz world, you don't really talk about bands so, so much. I mean, there's somebody's ensemble and they're the leader, right? But bands, the concept of rock bands is not something that's happening all the time in, in my world. But I would say that the East Pointers are my favorite Canadian band and they have been for a while because... They were a huge inspiration for me when I was putting my former band together and they're from Prince Edward Island. The release by them this year is called House of Dreams and it takes them to an interesting place and it came at a tough time because the East Pointers were founded as a trio by Tim Chasen, the singer who also plays fiddle and a little bit of guitar. Uh, Jake Sharon, who plays keys and guitar, and the late now Cody Chasen, uh, related to Tim, who played a bunch of the other interesting instruments throughout their work, like tenor banjo. Do you know what a tenor banjo is or a tenor guitar? I know what a baritone guitar is. Okay, it's not quite the same as that. This has got four strings. So Mm. a tenor guitar is like a guitar, but it's a violin pretty much in the sense that a mandolin is like a guitar but it's a violin you play a mandolin the same way as you play a violin Uh, you play the tenor guitar the same way as you play a violin i don't remember off the top of my head if the tuning is the same as the violin or if it's the same as the viola and cello but you play it the same as a string instrument because it's tuned that way i'm gonna have to google this just to like kind of pit plant this in my brain how this works tenor guitar yeah and banjo so he played he played tenor guitar and banjo and and he put a bunch of effects on his tenor guitar too to kind of give almost like that kind of u2 sound like that Mm. ringy sound in the backgrounds of their songs so the east pointers start out as the kind of band that my band was like a mostly acoustic folk band that played a lot of fiddle tunes uh and would sing a little bit too as they went on um and they had their first album secret victory and that played well around the world and you know they had some inns in Australia and New Zealand as well too and and then they followed that up with what we leave behind which was oh, i just fell in love with when we were starting our band i think it came out in 17 and then in 2018 we were listening to that i couldn't believe how well they combined like the fiddle tune instrumental foundation and then started singing like they were on pop country radio over top of it but in not a cringe way at all like in a way that just drew me in was like i didn't know you could do that that you could like blend that so well and and have it be so cool then they put out another album called yours to break where jake played a lot more keys and uh they expanded kind of the the sonics of of their sound and they definitely weren't just a band playing fiddle tunes anymore um and i saw that live i saw them touring that i saw them at the fox and that was awesome uh 
And then at some point during the COVID years, Cody passed away. And then this album still features Cody. Uh, he's playing on all these tracks, but it's kind of eerie to listen to them because a lot of the East Pointers material from Yours to Break and House of Dreams is kind of mental health related because Cody always had certain mental health struggles according to the band, right? And so a lot of the songs are kind of like comforting songs or compassionate songs like um we'll make it through this or like you'll get through this or we'll be okay and it's it's really eerie to listen to that knowing like what happened to the band uh but and then sometimes on house of dreams like on the track stronger than you know that's the track i would say you check out it's almost like an Ed Sheeran thing, like the style of pop song that they're going for on that one. But then it does get more acoustic and more folky among the other tracks. But the East Pointers, they blend like the pop appeal with the roots that my band came out of in a way that nobody else does. So that's probably why they're my favorite Canadian band. Do you know if they're planning on continuing after this release, especially since one of the key members passed away? Yeah, I mean, I imagine that's raises all kinds of questions. I guess they were already working on this material, so they did have this direction where they could put this album out. But as for what happens with the East Pointers in the future, who knows? But I mean, I hope I get to see Tim and Jake and whoever else they're working with. I hope I get to see them perform again. Yeah, this is the first time I was aware of them, and this is the first release that I had a chance to listen to. And I was struck by how, yeah, that really successful fusion of of modern pop but with a lot of folk leanings if you'll forgive the comparison because i know some people can get really irritated by this but it did give me some mumford and sons vibes just to point to you got the banjo yeah probably the most successful like folk pop band in the last little while i described the uh the, the East Pointers to my friends when I was in early spirit often as Mumford and Sons, but good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like this more, and you know, whatever, this is just me being honest. I like this more than some of the Mumford and Sons and Lumineers yeah. stuff. And that there's I've only three of them, right? So to. it's not like the the huge folk collective ensemble style thing. It's like a much tighter stage show. There's not all these different instruments happening. Yeah, at the same time and I didn't stage. really notice the, uh, the millennial whoop. Like uh, the gang vocal stuff or the yeah. millennial woe, I think that's what it's called. Anyways. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> uh, uh. Teenage dream. That's my my reference point for that, right? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I was in high school. That yeah. that, that song, yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's my uh that's my rest of Canada first pick. First pick. We're switching back to local picks. My second one is the self titled record by Fox oh, Radio. Yeah. This record really is the sound of a group reinventing themselves. The record blends dark folk with hip-hop and contemporary R&B into Vox Rea's self-styled quote-unquote noir pop. I really love the sound of this album. It's very cinematic and atmospheric. The first two songs, Indigo and Dose Me Up, really set the stage for like what the vibe is for the album. There's a lot of really intricate vocal harmonies and detailed arrangements. I'd point to a song like Dufferin uh, Avenue as well. There's four different producers on this, which, you know, helps to with the sonic fidelity uh, that you can hear. Uh, and these producers, I didn't catch, capture all their names, but I know they've worked with the likes of uh, Charlotte Cardin, Arkells, and Dragonette. The album really feels like its own world, and it kept me coming back 
for that reason. It, uh, this album sounded like very much its own thing. And I love um, some of my favorite records ever consistently throughout the whole thing, just like sound, everything sounds like it's part of it's one cohesive, whole. Right. Yeah. If I can cite some 90s rock albums that I really love, like Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins or um, The Soft Bulletin by Flaming Lips. Completely different genres, of course, but yeah, yeah, just like I love records that sound like their own universe in a way. And I'd say my key track on this is I'm Free with its skittering beat, booming bass and layered vocals. Just love that song. Yeah. So, okay, I love this. Uh, you don't have to have perfect track recall on this album. I am guilty as charged on this album because you recorded the episode of Pacific Sound Radio featuring Kate and Lauren before... I got on board with yes. you, so I wasn't in the room when you recorded it, but we've put it out since mm-hmm. I joined you for producing the show, and I listened to the episode. I enjoyed the conversation. I enjoyed the music cues that we cut into that episode, but I did not go and listen to the full album until this, until I saw it on your list, and I really should have. I was blown away. I really loved it. I showed it to Vez. They loved it too. So this album was a hit, and I just totally blew it by when you were putting out the episode featuring them. But, you know, you my favorite track. Could you guess what my favorite track is? Because you did not mention my favorite track on this album. There's one track that just blew me away in particular. Do you know what it is? I'm trying to think of there's one with it's more acoustic driven. No, eh, yeah, just... I don't know. Strings, maybe. We got the strings mm. theme. Does that, does that help you if I say strings? Uh, strings. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you. Come on. No, I... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you. Sinatra. Sinatra, ah, oh my gosh, go. what a beautiful track. Wow. And then there's all the other kind of s- sounds that they have in there too, but just where they went on that, just, just I love that. Uh, I was I was super impressed by that track. Yeah, they actually, I didn't share a photo of this, but they were kind enough to give me a print of their album cover as well. So, nice. Yeah, still got to hang it up in with my room. With the fake barcode on it? Yes, with the fake <laughs> barcode on it. I like that. I really like how kind of eerie that album yeah. cover is too. It's a... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a great album, honestly. Yeah. Check it out. My second local pick, right? I'm uh, I'm on deck here is uh Justice McClellan with the band Blue Jay where he is the frontman and the singer-songwriter, a sign of good luck. Rhythm Changes podcast guest, also Pacific Sound Radio guest at yes. one point. Didn't he do a best of with you? He yes, did one he of did. these. He yep. did one of these. Was it Best of 2020? That was Best of 2020. Yeah, yeah. I got my show show history. <laughs> yeah because justice during the pandemic had started his own yeah, local music which podcast inspired me for sure probably you as well to some extent because he was one of the few voices that was doing it and you were also doing it too and there weren't many others right so that was that was great of him to to put on his show a little and have jealous of some of the guests he was able to snake yeah he had good too. guest poll yeah. that's for sure um <laughs> on so now this is this was his big LP that he had been working on for however long, right? And uh, put it out on Network Records. And it was recorded in a room like a lot of the bands of yore. And it sounds really classic, right? Like it's it just sounds like a band playing that loves to play together. And it gives him so much space to be himself. Like he feels so comfortable in this band, I can tell, because like there's a ballad track on the album called I Feel Your Pull. And I could see that being such a moment live. Like I don't go to a lot of rock shows, right? But there's this thing that happens at a rock show that I 
always think of where like a band has been playing loud but then the band goes to like the ballad and it it quiets down enough that like you can hear your ears ringing and you can hear maybe some things feeding back or something but there's just like a very sparse thing happening on stage and that's what everybody needs at that moment and then it becomes really sensitive and it kind of sucks everybody's attention up to the to the singer to like deliver a a ballad or a love song or a slowed down moment on the on the set list like that's a really interesting moment on the set list for me and that track is that on this album because on this album they have a bunch of different kind of indie rock sounds i i remember when i went to hear justice play a solo set at the persephone snug with pacific sound radio save on meets um he talked about how you know he's kind of a ringer for ben gibbard and and death cab for cutie right like he's super influenced by them and oh, a lot yeah. of his his vocals and his sound kind of is in that area and this album has that too uh among other things but this this track i feel your pull you know soft softer song ballad slower song just ringing textures and he leaves his vocal alone at the end of the song like i rarely hear people do this like the the band doesn't like hard stop or or play a shot or cut out or anything it just kind of fizzles out and then the track ends just with him singing mm-hmm. by himself yep and i think i asked him that back on that episode too and he was like i listened to that episode yeah too. he was like um you know i want to draw attention to the lyric that's there like he's thinking about that as a songwriter but man just in terms of playing with your band you have to like trust your band like all good bands should trust each other to be committed to doing that on on your album i thought that was super impressive um dead bird i think that's the name of the track uh later on the album i think that's probably my favorite just the the kind of capo guitar kind of weirder arrangement uh i i enjoyed that one coming from the the non rock space but that's just like i guess that's my ideal of what a local rock album is this year and and he put that one out so good job justice (laughs) <laughs> There's one song, and of course, I can't remember the title for the life of me, but I really love the guitar intro riff. Oh, there's one of Sunday Night. Uh, that was one of the singles. They had the guitars like... Dun, 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 yeah, that's dun, the one. Sunday yeah. Night, yeah. That was their first single off of it, I think. They really took their time in putting it yeah, out because I guess they were working with uh, with Network or who knows on like shopping for labels mm-hmm. side, but they, they put that single they out. Yeah. Tour, but... <laughs> yeah, and they like tried to play at the Fox like four times and it kept getting postponed mm. and kicked back for various reasons. So yeah, hey, yeah, no, great album though and great songwriter. Yeah. All right. My next one is my second Canadian pick, which is Blue Rev by Always. This is the first album in five years from one of my favorite oh, wow. contemporary Canadian rock bands. The group's indie pop rock so- sound is still intact on this record. Molly Rankin's voice sounds as good as ever. Though one thing I noticed really listening to this was that the band's not afraid to throw in some synths hazy shoegaze textures here and there, and there's even some like Jay Mascus from Dinosaur Jr.-style guitar leads, which I always always love. Another thing I noticed is very streamlined arrangements. There's a lot of songs under the three-minute mark, and it really kind of blends together in a way that makes for a a breezy listen. It doesn't drag. It's like 14 tracks. Yeah, I was going to say, because there's so many tracks, but I guess that's because they're all short, right? Yeah, it's like 14 tracks, 40 minutes, but like it doesn't... Yeah, it just it it flies by, which is really really makes it makes for a um yeah, just an overall enjoyable listen. My key track 
is Belinda Says. This song is basically scientifically engineered for me to like it. Uh, there's like <laughs> an anthemic mid-tempo swing to it. There's a building bridge. And then there's that soaring key change change in the last chorus. Okay. If you if you want to make me like love, so you like this sound? Yeah, I yeah. love. This so, is one of those bands where I love this sound. Uh, there's a. I was kind of spoiled this year because there's a few different bands that I like that do the sound, and they have a female vocalist. There's always. There's also Beach Bunny and the Beths that all released albums this year, but always definitely rose okay, to the top so, for me. Because I was gonna say. I mean, in terms of what I know that sounds like that, like, did you, when you were in high school, I guess, or something, like, did you listen to Metric? See, that's funny you mentioned that because I didn't really get into Metric until, like, I was in college. But does, would you say that it sounds like that or am I imagining things? What do you think? Because that's what I thought of. I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like, you know, kind of sounds like Metric. This reminds me more of, hmm, trying to think of some more older established bands. I I put a band like this along with as I mentioned Beach Bunny and the Beths yeah. more in the kind of like power pop sort of world. Cool, yeah. Like okay. Any power pop, and I love my I love my power pop stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love my Weezer. <laughs> I love my Big Star. Huh. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed this one too. A lot of songs, uh, but didn't get tired of it because the the melodies are all really great. Oh and yeah. The songs just kind of move along. Uh, really kind of washy sound, kind mm-hmm. of a kind of a thick arrangement sound overall but the vocals you know still the vocals get lost for me maybe sometimes maybe it's because i don't listen to enough of it but you know i like the vocals i like the melodies and i i, I want to hear that and i enjoyed it throughout but it's it's that kind of really layered sound i guess i don't think there's a lot of people in the band but just like it's it's kind of all stacked stacked closely together the, the the instruments i think if i can hone into it it's this perfect marriage of Shoegaze, which I also love, one of my favorite subgenres of uh, rock music, along with power pop. So a band that like fuses that together, I'm like, yeah, go. I'm gold seal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't know it was first in five years, too. That's cool. I got one that's not like that one at all. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Did you, okay, so you, you check this one out? I didn't have a chance to, okay. though I am familiar with Isquay just from listening to Canadian uh, or CBC Radio, Radio 2 or 3. Okay. Whenever I'm like driving around in an Evo. It's funny that you mentioned that because I'm pretty sure it's a totally, de- it's a total departure for, for Iskway from the oh, other music. Okay. A lot of the other music I think is maybe more electronic pop, mm-hmm. right? This is, this is not this album. Like you're going to go listen to this album and you're like, what? Like it, it's not like that at all. I ask if you listen to it because I think one of the defining features of it is the, the voice of Tom Wilson and how it's mixed into this album. It's like that Leonard Cohen baritone, like super, super low, late Leonard Cohen voice vocal style that's on here duetting with Isquay on these kind of folk arrangements uh like the blue and gold album that i mentioned it's kind of in that area there's okay. some blues there's some acoustic folk um there's a song called coal mine that is kind of in that vein but then there's another song called stir the ashes that is a little bit more jangly or it, or it has a little bit more electric to it um but the the two voices together it's it covers the full range because you've got Isquay not singing like it's not an electronic pop album at all. This is an acoustic folk record, um, but you know she's singing lead vocal on some of the songs, and then he's coming in with this super 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 low voice, and then they're they're bouncing off each other, and it's such an interesting pairing, and it makes it it makes it so fresh throughout the album, even though there's a lot of slower songs and it's kind of a maybe there's a heavier mood sometimes, but it's really it's a powerful album. 
uh, I would say it's produced by Serena Ryder. Oh, Not wow. entirely. Some of the tracks are from a different session, but the I think the bulk of the album is produced by Serena Ryder. What's Tom Wilson's background? That I couldn't tell you off the top okay. of my head, but he's like a, a Mohawk Canadian um, singer. I don't I don't know what else he's done. I, I don't know how many other albums he's done. I reviewed, I was assigned this album review at Roots Music Canada, rootsmusic.ca earlier this year and i had not listened to it before and when i listened to it i really really dug it so i was i was happy that i got to uh review this one and i it was one of the first things i thought about when i found out that we were going to do this nice yeah that sounds cool i'm uh I'm trying to think of the last duet album that i really really loved yeah. um and this is this is an this album's like oh my gosh like 15 years old at this point but raising sand robert plant and allison krauss oh yeah yeah so yeah. you said about a good duet album. Yeah. I don't know that this one I would say uh, Mother Love is the name of the album by Isque and Tom Wilson. I don't think I said that yet. Um, it has it has not a lot of like, it's not about like the singing and harmonies. It's mm. really about their two individual voices and how they how they kind of integrate with the, oh, cool. with the band and the production. I would, I would describe it that way. And they're like trading off, like somebody's got the verse, then maybe they're together on the chorus or maybe the other one's got the chorus or somebody's got the lead vocal here and then the other person has the lead vocal on the chorus. Like there's a lot of kind of interesting stuff. Like, and they're so different, the two voices. So uh, it's cool that way. Good stuff. And I guess uh, my last pick would be my international pick, which is Cave World by Viagra Boys. Okay, so this yeah. is the third and in my opinion best record by swedish dance punk unit viagra boys this is written during the worst of the COVID 19 pandemic with lyrical topics including vaccine hesitancy conspiracy theories and misinformation and just generally just shitty male behavior there's a lot of politically charged anger that's masked with hilarious and sarcastic lines like leave society and be a monkey <laughs> They, uh, there's a song on there called Troglodyte, which is one of my favorite insults ever. So I'm, I'm happy that they committed to, uh, committed to a whole song just using that. It's just like, nah, you're not, you're not even an ape. You're a troglodyte. <laughs> yeah. So I, I read this right, right? Like I listened to this album, and it's like they're trying to satirize like the kind of incel oh, yeah. thing, like the hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. That's that's. I mean, it's pretty heavy-handed in the in the lyrics. So I did get that pretty fast. Um, but really interesting music, you know. I. This is a, uh, you know, this this talk about old uh, references. This is like from the from the back catalog for me. Like this is older than me, so it's not something that I would have listened to when I was growing up or anything. But like, I really remember the sound of the bass on the the track "Sabotage" by the Beastie Boys. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This, Ba-bam. I think Ba-bam. on Troglodyte in particular, it's just kind of that that like overdriven bass thing, and and they have a lot of sounds like that, but they're also catchy um interesting concept lyrically for sure i don't that not that many people have have done it have have committed to it that far as far as i know yet but they they stood out for for that that's that's kind of a memorable approach troglodyte was the track that i recall best for sure obviously appreciate that they're doing that because some people really need to get called out just like <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah some people just make especially when it's a a, a bad situation like COVID-19 just like making things worse for other people just like go away <laughs> just shut up <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, it's a very strong strongly produced album though just a very very fun 
combination of sounds very sophisticated too even though it's like a it's kind of a punky album um i don't know how i would describe what genre it is but like it's very fun but also it has the sophistication and how it's put together and it's very well produced Mm -hmm. Uh, for me the real star of the show is vocalist sebastian murphy he's so entertaining and wild um i've seen like uh, live footage of him where he, he's like the only guy in the band who plays shirtless and he's got this like he's got tattoos uh, like all over him and he's got like this giant I, I think he might have lost weight recently but he when I saw one live video he had this just gigantic like keg of a beer gut <laughs> he just looked hilarious he just uh, owns it yeah at times he sounds like a, a Baptist preacher drunk on the wrong moonshine that really like kind of <laughs> wild like Elvis is on too many lewds sort of <laughs> sort of style <laughs> vocals um, I'd say that like the way I listen to it is the band's like so tight, but there's like a controlled chaos to it all. There's like the looming threat of uh, disintegration just because yeah. of how like wild it sounds. And I'd say for me, my key track and might be one of my favorite songs of the year is "Ain't No Thief." The lyrics are so memorably detailed and weird, and that beat is pulverizing. I especially love the, especially as a bassist, love that. Uh, love the bass line on it yeah yeah it's again super left field for me to come and listen to that but hey that's why i dig this like yeah. you're bringing all this stuff to my attention right i've got an international pick and this is the one time where i really pulled from my world even though it's not the the scene that i work in but it's it's a jazz album that came out this year you gotta have at least one right yeah. you heard you listen to this i i in didn't these get around times this one the by micaiah mccraven oh you're gonna like it um an intense project and you know Makai McRaven is a drummer. Uh, I think he's been working on this album for years. Kind of part of this vanguard generation of creative music uh, I would associate with Kamasi Washington and then to Thundercat to some extent. Not that this is, this is not Thundercat's arrangements and and sounds, really. This is more acoustic than than that. But this is very cinematic. Um, Doesn't feel too heavy or too much at all. It despite how immaculate this album is and and how many different places it goes and how it's just kind of always shifting and churning and driving you forward to the next thing with all these kind of complex rhythms and all this great drumming and all this improvising, just saxophone players bringing the heat, trumpet bringing the heat, drums always bringing the heat. Even though it's so intense and powerful, it does leave you wanting more. And I do think it is, it's going to be such an engaging record for jazz. Um, just as a movement for for more people to keep jumping on because i think there are people coming into what you might call jazz through kamasi washington or certainly through thundercat um through this kind of post kendrick like generation of of people who can operate in this creative music world and like this this new generation of black american music i don't know how known robert glasper is outside of the jazz world like he's oh, known he's, he's yeah he's he's, he's really known. rising he's, you know he's one like there's of the, grammy yeah. play right but like when i was in high school like robert glasper was kind of the guy who was doing that um who i think was exposing the the tradition to new people as he as he innovated on it so I th- much i think he's been nominated for a grammy yeah if he hasn't year, won yeah. i know that he's probably been nominated for multiple yeah i think Grammys. black black thought three and i need to black listen ra- to yeah, black radio black radio yeah, three black radio three yeah those of that yeah. that's the one that got nominated i really need to listen to all those i've heard they're fantastic yeah because he was known for like bringing it in with like the Soulquarian r&b thing like like kind of bringing that into the jazz tradition mm-hmm. or like the improvising music tradition as a piano player as a keys player 
and then like Kamasi as a saxophone player, like just a giant, right? Um, and then so Makai McRaven as a drummer, like is just pushing this music forward. And you know, the, we would say people in my world, like we, I think we would think one of the worst questions of all time is like, what is jazz? It's like there's, <laughs> you know, it's like there's no good answer to that question. Like you're not gonna come out of that question having had like a great conversation like maybe i mean among the right people like if you just are going to have a great conversation anyways you will but like that's not a very good question because like you can't nobody nobody really knows in the the right kind of way to approach that like it doesn't make sense as as a question but i mean i guess if, if the question has to be asked like if if you're in a situation where um you are from this kind of creative music tradition and you have an opportunity to introduce it to somebody else i think like this is the definitive um record uh, that that is like that is in the front of it and deserves all the attention in the world because it's awesome that's great yeah uh definitely gonna give that a listen because i always um Certainly with jazz, it's a little easy to default to the classic stuff, like yeah. stuff from like the fifties. As yeah. you know, we we name drop Miles Davis earlier on the show. Uh, with jazz, I'm sure you're aware there's a lot of traditionalism that's kind of attached to it. So yeah, I think a lot of people, if they're inclined to like go like, oh, if I want to get into jazz, people be like, oh, Miles Davis, Davis, Coltrane, Chet Baker, Art Blakely, like all those cats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know which track I would pick on this album, like as a track pick. Like it's just kind of meant to be experienced in one go. And it's not like a like a ninety minute long Kamasi Washington album or something. It 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 does feel tighter than that. Um seventh string or seven string, something like that. That's one track that I really it has an intro, it has like a short track that happens before it too, and they kind of integrate to each other nicely. I think that's my favorite moment on the album. But yeah, I think this is gonna stand up as an unbelievable undeniable jazz album of 2022 and it, it's going to be remembered as like a, a high point for whatever kind of generation of like millennial jazz leaders kind of continues after here that's awesome can't wait to hear it so we've we've gone through through our list uh, a lot of great music uh, that we enjoyed in 2022 i did want to give a quick um just update to listeners that this will be our last episode of year kind of as expected i will be away uh i'll be taking some time uh to for vacation and spending time with friends and family in december so our next episode will be in january just just to give give folks a heads up yeah i would say it's gonna be kind of because we're mid-month december right now i would say like mid-month january we're gonna roll the show every two weeks but we're gonna we're gonna take about a month break right now yep yeah but we'll be back in action in January really looking forward to the new year all the stuff that's going to be coming out because I already am uh, already getting my feelers out there in terms of like what people have coming down the pipeline especially in spring rearing up for that summer festival season again so very nice yet again the world tur- the wheel turns <laughs> <laughs> well now you know James don't don't ever let me on the mic again now that now that this happened once you know don't let it happen again chain me to the chair in the producer's chair and just just the guests know oh, me you were, keep me off the mic you were fine <laughs> <laughs> thanks for doing this man thanks for listening I'm your host James Olson before we close this episode off I just want to let you know that you can keep up with what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio and on our website at pacificsoundradio.com 
If you like the show, you can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on your podcast platform of choice lets you leave reviews. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you in 2023.